Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. This is Abe. Hello. Out Now is regularly a film podcast. Just as <laughs> Out Now is regularly a film podcast. Just Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We generally discuss new trailers, box office results, and predictions, and callbacks to past films similar to the main film of the week. This week we're doing something a little different. We did what I'm dubbing the Holiday Hodgepodge episode, wherein Abe and I got together with several of our regular guests on the show, and we discussed many of the movies that came out during this Thanksgiving, this extended Thanksgiving holiday season. And we have movies like Life of Pi, Silver Linings Playbook, Rise of the Guardians, Red Dawn, uh, just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of movies came out, and so we think, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and because our guests are in various locations because of this whole holiday thing, we figured why not like just give everybody a chance to shed their thoughts on some of these movies. So that's because what's better than spreading the holiday spirit during the holidays, right? Not cheesy at all, and fair <laughs> enough. That is that is kind of what we went for. So basically, this whole episode is going to be various recordings of us with the our you know, friends of the show that, and us talking about just the movie. Some of the movies we will talk about more than once just because people saw more than <laughs> saw the same movies, but you know, it's nice to have different perspectives on different things. And that's kind of what we're offering up here. But, uh, you might hear us just, you know, you might hear Aaron talking about the same movie three times. You might hear me talk about it twice, but you know what? If you're a fan of the show, thanks for listening. You're going to hear more of us. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I do want to uh, bring in, we do have one email that I wanted to bring up as a, uh, you know, that's how we roll, bring in some announcements here. So here's our here's our one email. It's from Corbin. And um, it's a very special question because I think it's very appropriate. Here's here's what his email says. Now I have my most culturally relevant question. Did Abe cross Alex Cross? So Abe, did you cross Alex Cross? It's a great question, Corbin. And no, I did not cross Alex Cross. So I'm safe. I'm safe. Tyler Perry is not looking for me. You're safe for now from crossing Alex Cross, but we might cross Alex Cross in a future episode. You never know, Lee. But I wouldn't want to, you know, never say never. That's the, yeah, never say never to crossing the cross. Yeah, crossing Alex Cross is never a situation you want to, you know, not think about. So. <laughs> never, will, you I never will, not want to double negative? What? Exactly. That's how you uncross Alex Cross, and you don't want to do that. You want to not cross Alex. I can keep going on the double the yeah, Alex Cross. It's I'm I'm literally cross-eyed for talking about Alex Cross, so let's let's move on from that and uh, just jump into our first uh, our first uh, recording here. I believe it's with myself and Mark Johnson. Okay, so this is one of our guest recordings. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm talking with Mark Johnson of Award Circuit. You just say hello, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was more of all my yeah, that's, that you yeah. to go through. So yeah. Hi everyone. Yeah. So uh yeah. Mark, you've you've seen a few of the films that have come out this past couple of weeks. It's been a big, big movie season and uh we're just gonna kinda go over some of them and then share our thoughts. So let's start with Life of Pi. Sure. 
next part of the story you will find hard to believe and uh, life of pi is of course the new film from director ang lee or is it ang lee <laughs> either one <laughs> shouldn't have to be confused on angry but i'm gonna be so there we go anyway it's a st- yeah story of survival um told in flashback a man about talking about his life the biggest event of course is this giant shipwreck that happened which left a boy stranded in the ocean on a lifeboat with a tiger and uh yeah that's basic summation there and i'm sure we're going to hear more about this film from others later on but for now mark what did you think of life of pi Oh, I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a beautiful film. It's got uh, fantastic visual effects and cinematography, along with you know spiritual themes that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy about it, especially more around the family type, family oriented films of the year. I think the I think it'll do well there. Um, there's there are there are points that I that I might hold back my excitement on, especially the end. Uh, and I don't want to give any spoiler away, but there's a little bit of a deflation that I experienced by uh, something that happens toward the end. But as far as the whole journey uh, that this young man goes on across the, the ocean trying to survive, it's pretty uh, it's pretty intense and um, inspiring film. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much in line with your thoughts there. I really enjoyed this film. I've seen it twice now just because I wanted to ah. see it again. My dad wanted to see it, so I wanted that one with him because I'm like, wow, I want to see Life of High again. And I think it's a very good movie. I, I really enjoyed it for many reasons, especially the visual levels. I think it's just a really great-looking movie for sure. And I, I, I can't get enough of, like, how – well, Angley's able to make a, you know a, the story of this boy on this ocean make it look so interesting, it's just so visually arresting. Like you have these shots of the ocean, which could be just like kid on water, but no, he do, he does a lot of different things to make it just seem unique in many different ways, in many different settings, at night, daytime, after afternoon, sunset. Like he just has a a way of creating a great kind of visual look for this movie as a whole. And yeah, I really like the the um. The, kind of the, the use of effects and the, the, the 3D. Like, the 3D is the best I've seen right. since Hugo, where, I mean, it yeah. feels immersive and fitting for the story and not just, hey, we can make this another dimension. <laughs> like, it's like they angrily shot in 3D and it works really well and and it just fits. Yeah, I rarely, I rarely recommend seeing a film in 3D, um, but it's definitely the Hugo or maybe even Avatar of this year where you have to see it in 3D. It's just so much more uh, beautiful, I would assume, in that format. That I didn't see it in the 2D regular format yet, but it's I just don't see a need to when, when you can experience it in the, in the 3D format it was intended as. Yeah, I agree for sure. And now, I didn't have a problem with the ending, really. I can say that it... it there's less of an impact than other things that happen in the movie, but it's not something that I've really felt issue. I don't, I guess, cause we can't really talk about the ending. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, I, I don't, yeah. that's the hard, that's the hard thing. Cause you definitely don't want to talk about the ending, but there's one portion of it that maybe in a spoiler episode, we can get into uh, why I kind of just felt unsatisfied with a certain part, portion of it. But aside from it, I'm 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 a big fan, and and I think it's uh like like we said it's a it's a beautiful film. This uh, Suraj Sharma, I believe, is the actor's name who plays Pi. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does a fantastic job. You know, at, at times you you have these long portions of just him and this tiger on a boat at sea, and you know he does a great job. I think carrying the film. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And I also really like Irfan Khan as the 
right. older Pi and the way he, I mean, given that he's basically narrating the story, but you do cut back and forth to him occasionally. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of expression coming off his face that I think's really well captured. I think he does a good job of being more than just the guy that's telling the story. I think he does a good job of bringing a level of emotion to it beyond just being able to witness Pi in, in the situation. You get to hear it from an out kind of somewhat of an outside perspective of him reflecting on these thoughts. And I, I thought he was quite good. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the uh, kind of potential awards consideration, I guess, since that's, more your specialty. Where, where do you think sure. where do you think Pi's headed down the line? Oh, I think Pi, I think Pi has an excellent chance uh, this season to to see a lot of award attention. As far as winning, I don't know that it's going to be toward the top of a lot of lists, but it's got excellent shots at a Best Picture nominee when when we're talking Oscars. Uh, Ang Lee is one of the most respected directors in the business, and he does a fantastic job here. So I, I think he's still on the cusp that four, five, six, seven spot. Uh, but right now I have him in there. I have him number five on my list, so I, I could easily see him getting in. I think it, it, the film is a shoe-in for visual effects and cinematography both, um, along with probably sound editing and mixing as well because yeah. of those, you know, those giant storm scenes and the, the tiger on the boat with his you know growling and whatnot. So I think, I think you could see a plethora of nominations for the film, most notably in the tech craft uh, section, but also picture and director. I wonder if um, adapted. Sc- uh, I mean, if it gets best picture and director, I wonder if adapted screenplay comes with that. Even though I think some people have issues with how it's uh, adapted. Yeah, adapted's going to be the hard part because adapted is always a very crowded and difficult category to get into anyway. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look at other films like Argo and Lincoln, uh, and, and possibly Les Mis, which you know just opened over the weekend in limited uh, to limited re- uh, viewings. Um, it's it's just a harder category to get into, so it's possible, you know, if if you know if people really like the film, um, but I think it stands a better chance in in those craft tech uh, categories in picture and director than it probably does in um, screenplay or any of the acting areas. All right, cool. Um, all right, so yeah, let's just kind of keep moving. Yeah, sure. things, things to talk about. So the next movie I want to talk about is a Silver Linings Playbook. break it down for you. The whole time you're rooting for this Hemingway guy to survive the war and to be with the woman that he loves. It's four o'clock in the morning. Can't somebody say, hey, let's have a good ending to the story? I can't apologize. You know what I will do? I will apologize on behalf of Ernest Hemingway, because that's who's to blame here. Yeah, have Ernest Hemingway call us and apologize to us, too. What are you gonna do with yourself? Getting trim, getting really fit for Nikki. Patrick, she left. She's gone. Doc, I have one incident. I come home from work. I see my wife in the shower. I pull the curtain back. So, yeah, I snapped. Hey, Tiffany. This is Pat. You look nice. Thank you. I'm not flirting with you. I didn't think you were. Look, I think you're really pretty, but I'm married, okay? So am I. No, that's confusing. He's dead. Wait, what's happening? This is the new film from David O. Russell starring Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro. And um, it follows Bradley Cooper after he's gotten out of a mental institution after an incident involving him catching his wife having an affair. And uh, he meets, he goes back home and things happen. From there. <laughs> I think we're going to – well, there will be a trailer and I'll, I'll be talking about this with other people anyway, so I don't need to keep going into descriptions. But uh, anyway, what, what did you think of Silver Linings Playbook, Mark? Um, I was a big fan of Silver Linings Playbook. I think uh, 
Bradley Cooper was absolutely fantastic, and as as great as Jennifer Lawrence was as well, who she seems to be getting most of the praise right now, and she's um, considered by most to be the front runner for a lead actress at the time. I think it's I think it's really Bradley Cooper who who carries the film. He's he's fantastic as a brooding, brooding agitated man suffering with these uh, afflictions, the bipolar disorder, and uh, the film is, is, you know, it goes beyond being just your conventional romantic comedy. It's it's more than that. There's a, a lot more going on with the dysfunctional family angle between the father and son, which the father is played by Robert De Niro, who's also fantastic. Um, you know, it's a very it's a very touching comedy, and I think it, it's in the same vein as as maybe something like one one uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, or as good as it gets, as far as taking you know putting a lighter spin on. Uh, mental illnesses. It's it's uh it's a really good film though. Yeah, I um I agree. I I really <laughs> enjoy Silverline's playbook, and I think it's I think it's because it's it seems like such an accessible film. I think that's why I'm really into it because I think it it has yeah it could fall into the trappings of like romantic comedy and in ways it does, but it feels well handled. And I like the fact that it, I mean it is a dark comedy. It's a it's like really it's like a dark comedy and a screwball comedy all put into one kind of thing and it lives and dies on these performances which i think are really strong as all of the three key ones and the even the supporting cast like i mean sure. but, but yeah bradley cooper is very good here jennifer lawrence is very good here robert de niro is the best i've seen him in a while here mm-hmm. and um even yeah jackie weaver is very good i chris tucker pops up and i'm like yeah chris tucker's back apparently he's right. a really good movie i, I enjoy that fact. and yeah. yeah it just it's this great mix of all the, all these actors and just it's also just really funny and it um yeah. it's funny while still be, managing to you know have a lot of dramatic elements i just i i think the the biggest thing i take away is because david o russell he previously did the fighter and a lot of people really love the fighter and i like the fighter for specific reasons but the issue i had with the fighter which is not really to take like too much to take the film down, but like the family stuff in the fighter with like the sisters, I, I thought was <laughs> very cartoonish to me, and okay. I, it kind of brought me away from the more powerful story going on in the fighter. Even though it's supposed to be both you know that and an entertaining movie, the sister aspect kind of brought me away from that. This feels like they took that aspect and made it into its own movie, and for whatever reason, it worked completely well for me here. <laughs> like I was down with the tone completely. I was I was happy with what was being presented, how it was being presented, and the, the way it was able to mix the dramatic aspects and the comedic aspects. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely, yep. I agree. But yeah, so Rowling's playbook, which seems like, uh, I'd, I'd say, like, directorially, like, it seems less, I guess, kinetic visually than, like, his past films have. Like, it seems like this, it, it seems more, folk, it, like, the, the actors are more of the drive of this film rather than the direction this time around. But, although The Fighter, I could say the same look too. But even then, I could still feel like I... I sensed his camera more in that movie than I have in Silver Lightning's playbook. But with that said, I just really enjoyed the movie still. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he did. He did a great job with this. I, I wasn't as big a fan with the fighter as as I was this. I would say, like right now, I'd, I'd probably have Silver Linings in my top five for the year. I certainly put it very high up there. I, saw, I actually saw this again too last night. <laughs> I, oh. I saw it like a couple of weeks ago, and then a friend of mine wanted to see it, so I'm like, "Yeah, let's go see Silver Lines Playbook again." But uh, and yeah, I still find it really, and it helped because the first time was of a press screening, which is like they are laughing, but this time was of like a major audience, and like mm. you could really kind of feel what beats are being hit like the best, and right. it, it was nice. But okay, yeah. So Silver Linings, where do you where are you thinking awards wise with this one? The, the actors. This is yeah. This one's very similar to Life of Pi. Just flip it. Uh, as far as you know, it, it's 
looks like a lock almost for a best picture nomination. A director, he's he's basically right in that four, five, six range, same way with that Ang Lee, uh, where you can definitely see him getting in, or you can see him being just left out. Um, this film, though, it's going to be more heavy on the performance end, the screenplay end, most most of the major categories. Whereas, you know, Life of Pi was more of the technical side. Uh, I would expect nomination, uh, at least a nomination for Jennifer Lawrence and probably Robert De Niro. Bradley Cooper, even though I mentioned I think he's the the true star of the film, he's got a lot harder road uh, to toe than than the other two. It's just a crowded category this year for lead actor when you look at Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln, John Hawks for The Sessions, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for uh, The Master, Denzel Washington for Flight. There's just a lot of There's a lot of lead act, yeah. Right. Somebody's going to get left out. And Cooper's one of those people that you could see. It just depends how much they love Silver Linings Playbook. If they love it, He's going to get in with it, I think. So, uh, but yeah, this one mostly you're you're looking at picture, possibly director, possibly actor, definitely lead actress, probable supporting actor for for uh, Robert oh, De Niro. Yeah. yeah, and then I would I would bet on a screenplay nomination. Yeah, screen screenplay for sure. Yeah, and, uh, that'd be great to see De Niro get nominated. Like I could yeah. I could this again. There's a lot of it seems like there's a lot of supporting actors going on as well too this year, but. Uh, yeah, I think De Niro's very strong in this movie, and certainly, you know, he's Robert De Niro, so I don't think the. <laughs> although yeah, I don't know how yeah. much stock that holds these days, but it, right, that's that's the thing, which is a shame to thing. say, but although right. it could be more of like the "Hey, he's back" kind of thing, right? That's that's most likely what you'll see if he gets the nomination is is almost like a welcome back nomination. It would be his first, and I believe since '91, I think was his last one with Cape Fear. Was his last Oscar nomination? Really? So it's been yeah, it's been something like twenty-one years or so since he last was nominated. So it would be you know a nice return to form for him in the in the film, and uh, that'd be a good way of recognizing him. And it's 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 a crowded category, but a crowded category with not a lot of heavy front runners. Like you have um, Tommy Lee Jones for Lincoln and Philip Seymour Hoffman for The Master, but after that it gets real muddy with who could get in and, and who might just get left out. There's a lot of, you know, Alan Arkin for Argo. Uh, um, what's his name from uh, Beast of the Southern Wild? Now I'm going to forget his name. Oh, Dwight Henry. Yeah, Dwight Henry. You know, there's a lot of those kind of performances where you could see them forgetting about them or passing over them because maybe Alan Arkin, you know, was, he just won one recently. Um, but that's why I think I think De Niro has a, has a, has a pretty good chance because it's not a – extremely loaded category but not it's certainly not like lead actor where uh-huh. it's just so crowded well hopefully taylor lautner for twilight doesn't get forgotten <laughs> but um okay so let's move on to our our next film um which is gonna oh actually uh, let's talk about a royal affair because you've seen this one i haven't okay. seen this one but what's a what's a royal affair about if you can get the king to visit your bedchamber on the first evening you'll be perceived as a great success i was an innocent Married simply for political union. Jeg, Kongressian den 7. erklærer hermed krig mod lort. To a man who cared little for me. Drikke, jeg kan godt lide luder med store bryster. Jeg kan godt lide at slås. Og hvad er der galt i det? Hvorfor var det lige mig, der skulle have den kedelige gås, hva? Gør hende sjov. Jeg vil gerne have en sjov honning. As Trunes' influence grew... His grip on the king tightened. But while he gave Christian back his mind, what he gave to me was more powerful and far more dangerous. 
Uh, a royal affair uh, takes place in the Age of Enlightenment in Denmark. It's um, Denmark's official entry this year into the Oscar foreign language race. And it tells the story of uh, Princess, who then becomes Queen, Caroline Mathilde, I believe is how you say that. I'm awful with pronunciations. But uh, Alicia Vikander, she's also going to be seen in uh, Anna Karina coming up. She plays the Queen. Uh, she does a terrific job. Um, she gets forced into marriage with this king of Denmark who's a total jackass. Uh, and they actually, they believe he suffers from uh, mental disorders as well. But for the most part, he's this immature uh, guy who just likes to fool around with other women and pay her no attention. In the meantime, she develops this relationship with the king's personal physician, uh, Strunzi, Dr. Strunzi, played by uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. Yeah, who most people probably know from uh, Casino Royale. Royale. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they they begin this kind of love affair. And it's it's really interesting because the king really loves this doctor uh, as a mentor and friend. And the queen loves him as a lover. Uh, in between uh, in between this whole love affair going on, it, it goes to this other level where now the queen and, and doctor are using the king to help run this country and bring Denmark out of the Stone Ages, basically, and uh, take over what... The king has let the country kind of slide to the rule of the cabinet. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting movie. And, and the thing is, for me, with period pieces like this, I am not a I'm not I'm not a big fan of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gotta say, I, I really really liked this movie. Uh, so it's it's not it's the genre I, I usually least enjoy, but I, I was pretty enthralled with with the story here. That's good to hear. I forget, I've heard a lot of good things about a royal. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's that season, so I'm, not, I'm obviously going to hear a lot of good things about these kind of movies. But uh, right, yeah. But yeah, no, there's a lot. There's some things I like in it. They're going not having seen. There's some things I like about know that I know about it. So I, yeah, if I get a chance, I might be able to go check it out. But what? Uh, where do you? It's the official foreign entry, right? So probably right. Yeah. So yeah, you can look for it in the foreign language race, but you know, crazy things happen in that field all the time. So I'm not—I wouldn't call it a lock at this point. Um, probably a more and uh, the Untouchables are probably the only two you would feel safe calling locks in that field yet. But this is probably the next closest thing. Um, costume design is another thing that I could see it getting in. Foreign films don't really cross over too much in other categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think voters kind of feel that they have that that category set aside to recognize them, which is kind of silly, but it, it happens almost yearly where um, you don't really see them across the board in other categories. But, I think, but the, you know, I think, I think Ang Lee was probably the last person to really bring a film like that that crossed over a lot with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> Yeah, Crouching Tiger was big. Pan's Labyrinth was oh, big. Oh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, I forgot about Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. Children of, uh, or City of God was the one. Uh, they got a director nom as well. Which, oh my God, I, I love City right. of God so much. <laughs> yeah. and, and just last year, a separation was also nominated for screenplay. So, oh, that I mean, was, it, yeah, that was it, a big it thing happens. Too. It happens. It's just not very common for them to spill over into too many categories. And, and really, I don't expect too much as far as Oscars for this film other than you know, foreign, and then possibly a nomination uh, in costumes mm-hmm. is probably what you're looking at. But even there, it's going to have, you know, some competition getting into, especially being foreign, it kind of handicaps it. But the big thing, I think, with this movie is to look for um, Alicia Vikander, and I know I'm probably saying her name wrong, uh, just saying it phonetically. It's Alicia Vikander. 
she's uh, she's fantastic, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more from her, uh, knowing especially that she's also an Anna Karenina. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be seeing more from her. All right, great. Now let's talk about uh, Lincoln really quick. We all talked about Lincoln last week, but you were not. I mean, and we wanted to get you on that podcast, <laughs> and that just didn't yeah. work out. But uh, what were your, what were your right. thoughts on Lincoln? Well, Lincoln's one of the big films of the year, of course. Steven Spielberg's newest. Um, for me, it's the best I've seen so far this year. I was I was a an enormous fan of it, uh, both with what Spielberg did, and then of course the performances from top to bottom, you know, and, and most notably Daniel Day Lewis, who's just absolutely mesmerizing as the president. You kind of just forget you're watching Daniel Day Lewis, and you, you just get an you know taken into this uh, this time period, and and it, the way that they show the passing of the uh, 13th Amendment. Yes. God, I'm so bad with history. Yeah, the 13th Amendment. It was just fantastic and, and entertaining to see how not much seems to have changed from back then to today, you know, uh, as far as all the lobbying and whatnot. Certainly and, uh, in, the, in the way it's portrayed. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the, and the James Spader character and Tommy Lee Jones characters were, were highly entertaining and uh yeah, I was a very, very big fan of the film. Yeah, I really love that Tommy Lee Jones performance quite a bit. I mean, Daniel Lewis is almost like, a, yeah, of course he's good. Like, it's like, it's beyond. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's, let's move on to everybody else because right. Daniel Lee Lewis is just that good. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like the Tommy Lee Jones performance quite a bit. And, yeah, I did like the movie a lot overall. Um, so this one, you think it's going to be a front-runner Oscar scene? Yeah, I, I mean, since – my initial predictions in, in April, I've had this in the number one spot. I haven't moved it since. I think its biggest threat is probably going to be Les Mis, mm-hmm. even though most people are, are saying Argo at the moment. I just kind of – I feel it's going to probably be between those two with Argo as, as the third spot. Um, but, yeah, Lincoln's going to be a huge player at Oscar. Uh, whether it wins or not will be interesting. We still you know, have to see Les Mis, which, like we mentioned earlier, just is now starting to be seen. Uh, but you can you can expect uh, Lincoln to possibly lead with with uh, nominations from top to bottom: text, acting, directing, screenplay, picture. You know, it's going to be a major player. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think that's kind of <laughs> yeah. Because I don't because we're going to have so many other guests participating in this. I guess we're just going to have to wrap it up. So, Marco, where can more people find your work? I uh, write for the um, AwardCircuit.com. Right now, you can you can view my reviews and, and news stories there. And I'm MJ Award Circuit at Twitter. All right, great. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for your thoughts on these several films. I know you're going to go see Rise of the Guardians later today. I hope you enjoy that. I had thoughts on it. I <laughs> I think it's fine. It's fine yeah. for families, for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll have to listen to, to hear what you guys thought about that one. Yeah, for sure. So you know, Abe. Yes, Aaron? It was fun listening to myself talk about movies with Mark Johnson, but I think it'd be even more fun listening to myself talk with you and Mark Hoban and Adam Gentry about a few more movies. You know, I actually think that it's going to be more fun for me listening to myself, too, sometimes. Sometimes. Alright, so yeah, that's going to take us into our next recording, which features friends of the show Mark Hoban and Adam Gentry. Happy holidays. Hey, hey, say say hello. Hey-ho. There, there you are. Hello. Okay, we are joined right now by writer for Things I Know About the Movies, Adam Gentry. What's up, friends? And, of course, Fast Film Reviews, Mark Hoban. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about a couple movies here. We're doing kind of a, a hodgepodge of reviews, a, a holiday hodgepodge, I'll call it. And um, we're just kind of talking about ver- all the various movies that have come out during this Thanksgiving week, since seem to be a lot of them. And so the first movie that uh, three, uh, 
three of us are going to talk about. It's going to be Silver Linings Playbook. This is the uh, the new David O. Russell film with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm just going to let it go here. So I'm just going to start off. Mark, what did you think of Silver Linings Playbook? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was kind of a – at first in the uh, film, I thought the script sort of odd mix of mental illness and humor was a little off-putting. But as the narrative kind of wore on and the story took root, I really was engaged with these personalities. And I really think that um, uh, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence are giving probably two of the best performances of their, their you know emerging careers i thought they were both really good and um then it, they're supported by a really great uh supporting cast uh, robert de niro jackie weaver chris tucker julia styles and a few others and it has this really kind of um engaging uh interactions between the two stars and then it all kind of manages to have a conclusion that manages to combine the Philadelphia Eagles football team with a ballroom dance competition. I just thought it was really – I liked I liked the way it ended. So I, I thought it was a really winning movie. Adam? You know, it's the, the strangest kind of feel-good movie. It really is. I mean, um, I totally agree with Mark about Bradley Cooper in particular. I think it's probably his best performance because, I mean, you kind of get the sense with Bradley Cooper sometimes that he's, oh, man, he's getting all these movies, but how good is the guy really? Because, I mean, it's hard to forget the fact that the first time you ever really saw him – uh, anything was in The Hangover, and as much as I love The Hangover, you know, let's not pretend that you know it was Academy Award-winning, you know, acting. Uh, I've, I've seen Bradley Cooper in a few things before The Hangover. Well, well, for me, it was the first time that I ever remembered seeing Bradley Cooper. So whether or not I'd seen him or not, you know, could be. But I mean, he's really fantastic in the movie, and yeah, it's a strange little mix, it, like kind of like Mark said, as far as um, its portrayal of mental illness. But I really liked, I liked the the sensitivity with which it treated the, the story, because, I mean, really, we're hearing the other side of the story, and that normally you always hear from a friend or from a, uh, somebody that you know about, oh, well, so-and-so went crazy, and now we're scared of them, we stay away from them. And this was great, because it was looking at that other other side of the story as far as um, you know, kind of what what he was dealing with, what his family was dealing with, that they're trying to keep him on the right path. Um, but, yeah, it's a really winning movie. It's a lot of fun. Jennifer Lawrence is unbelievably attractive in this film. Um, and I will say I wasn't completely a fan of the way, of where the ending took their their interaction and their relationship. I thought it was a little bit, not not completely um, authentic. But that said, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the romantic in me is still very glad that it went that way. But I felt like it was a little bit, a little forced here and there. So I, I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, I, I was on board with this movie all the way through. I, I really enjoyed what was going on with it. I, I, I've described it as this before, but I really thought of it as kind of a dark screwball comedy, like kind of modernized in a way. It, it just the the way these characters interact, the um, the humor, the kind of the the dramatic bits that are going on, the, just everything, the way everything came together. I really enjoyed. I really liked the performances a lot. Uh, Cooper and Lawrence, very good in this movie. Robert De Niro also doing like his best work in some time. I mm. just, yeah, to, I I really love the what the story was and how it how it handled. I I was I was in with the tone from the outset. I can see how it could be tr- just the way it kind of sets itself. But it kind of just goes when it starts. It just kind of gets going already. It feels like you almost it almost feels like you missed like the first five minutes of the movie the way it begins. But like it. I, I like that. I like how you just jump into the story and you just follow this character, Bradley Cooper's character, and just the way yeah. it all plays out. 
Did they ever uh, tell you what he's suffering from? Yeah, you you find out. He he's 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 suffering. He's undiagnosed bipolar. You you learn that. Oh, okay. Fairly, and what about Jennifer Lawrence? She's got her own issues, and I mean, okay. I don't need to spoil everything about the movie, but yeah, I, I no worries. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because she she herself is unwell, right? Yeah, to an extent. Okay, right. <laughs> they're both broken people. There you go. Oh. And they're trying. And they're trying. They're trying to write themselves in various ways. And does I, the movie feel real per se? Like this is how a real situation would unfold with kind of this. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, there are bits that are fairly unbelievable that you know people wouldn't really behave that way, but at the same time. You know, it's got a nice kind of refreshing look at mental illness because it's something that a lot of people deal with in a lot of ways. I mean, even there are certain characters in the film that they're not diagnosed with anything, but you really get the sense of, oh, so this person's got their own issues too. They act like, you know, everybody thinks that they're fine, but, oh, this person has the same issues, and in a different circumstance, this person could have easily ended up in the same same place as as the Bradley Cooper character. I I would say that it's... Unreal in the sense that the movie needs to have some sort of plot to conform to, just so it has somewhere to go. But at the same time, there's like there's there's these argument scenes between like Bradley Cooper and his parents, and just like it's particularly between him and Robert De Niro. It just there's emotion there that you're, I really I really get caught up in. I think it yeah. it's the way I think David Russell has a good handle on that kind of a knack for that kind of vernacular when they're when people are how people really argue, opposed to saying like things that feel very scripted, it feels, the, they feel like honest arguments that have bits of comedy and bits of drama, and you can kind of feel that in, in these performances and in how it's kind of written. But like um, Bradley Cooper, he's playing this character where, you know, he says whatever pops into his head, and, and sometimes he says things that are really kind of smug, and, 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 and there's some of these scenes are in the trailer, and, you know, it's meant to be funny, but at the same time, he's he's acting this way because of his sickness, so it's it's sort of like, we're meant to laugh at what he says, but at the same time, it's sort of like, yeah, but he's he is kind of a character that isn't behaving like a normal person would. He doesn't know how to bite his tongue. I mean, he, like, yeah, you know, he says it's whatever. Hard to he, feel like when you're watching it, you keep wanting to think, dude, just just calm down. It's okay. Right, right. right. Think about, well, he can't calm down. Right, uh, and he has a he like he has a, a trigger that sets him off, and you know, you're kind of like, really, would that really would someone start acting like that just because of that? You know, so sometimes you're not really sure if this is sort of these sitcom conventions or if this is really people who suffer. I assume people who do suffer from mental illness probably do have these triggers that set mm-hmm. them off, you know. Uh, I meant to ask you, Adam, yesterday because we saw this movie together. Adam and I saw this movie together, but all, all three of you I can ask. Did you guys like The Fighter? I forget. the. Uh... I did like The Fighter, yes. I loved it. Adam? Like The Fighter or don't love The Fighter. I feel like with David O. Russell, I feel like... There's always something in his movies that's a little bit, it's a little bit off. I think the movies, the film has that I like the most, I think the most consistent would be Three Kings, because that's a pretty fantastic movie. But I think, like for example, with the fighter, Christian Bale is awesome. Yes, but absolutely I feel like agree. Kind of elbows and knees sticking out in odd places, like odd musical cues that go into odd sequences of. Caucasian female violence in gangs. And Adam, see, that's exactly what? That's exactly what I'm talking about because I feel I had issues with the fighter based on the way that you have this. And I talked about this with Mark Johnson already, so I'm not sure how this is going to be ordered. But like, <laughs> the, um, the the way that the sisters kind of play into it feels cartoonish at times. Yeah, very much. In, in comparison to you know the dramatic story being told. And yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of fun to be had with Christian Bale's character. At the same time, he's you know a drug user, and like there's there's things about it that I don't think match up tonally. And what I think David O. Russell did with this movie is he took that element out of the fighter and made it a whole movie, and it works really well here. So. Ah, I see. It, 
But I love those, like, seven sisters arguing. Did you know Conan O'Brien's sister is actually one of those sisters? Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. yeah, it was fun, but I can see your point. In my opinion about David O. Russell is I really feel like he's coming into his own, and this he's, like, on a, a career-defining high right now. To me, personally, I, Silver Linings Playbook and uh, The Fighter are my two favorite David O. Russell films. I, I, I liked Three Kings fine, but these I, I like more. And then... I, I've said this before, but most people probably listening won't realize this. I absolutely hate I Heart Huckabees. It's actually one of my worst films of all time. So I'm amazed that, like, I love David O. Russell now, but that film I did not care for. I'm not a fan of I Heart Huckabees. I like, I really, actually, I really like Mark Wahlberg in I Heart Huckabees. I think he's the only one that seems to know what's going on in that movie. There's I've a scene, never seen it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's It's awful. <laughs> Absolutely adore her. So. No, well, then that's probably partially why I find it so offensive is that it's such a, a shocking waste of talent. Um, actually, I Heart Huckabee's had a really problematic and well documented um, uh, production, and there are even YouTube videos of David O. Russell and uh, Lily Tomlin. Yeah, where they didn't get along, and I, you don't know that when you're watching the film. But when I see those scenes, I can kind of think, yeah, I don't think he knew what he was doing, and I, at, for, I mean, he, I now he does. But in this film, I think the film was too existential, and it, he didn't have a clear idea of what he wanted to do. And I think it's seen in these scenes with the actors that they're getting frustrated. Like, I don't understand this film. That's and, why I think like Mark Wahlberg seems to be surprisingly the only one that gets what's going on in that movie. Right, he right. Seems he's doing. He actually, Surpri- yeah, he actually comes across fairly well in the film. And I think it shows that's why, you know, they've been in – he's done three movies with them. He did Three Kings first, and they did Huggins, so he, and they did The Fighter. I feel like they have a good working relationship. I'm curious as to – I know Mark Wahlberg turned down the role of Bradley, Co- Bradley Cooper's role in Silver Lines Playbook to do another movie. Uh-huh. So I'd be, I would be curious to know what that would be like if he was in this movie. Um, all right. <laughs> Chris Tucker's in this movie also. Yeah. Um, and he's really good. He, he's he's – yeah. I yeah I thought he was fine but they, it's almost like someone told him could I mean and maybe you like this about the performance but like someone told him don't be yourself just really reel it in so I didn't really understand why he was cast but yeah he was fine I mean, but. I mean you're, you're, put, you're putting it to a point of anyone could have played this role again that's almost what you're saying and the fact he did play it and he played it fine like it, and there's a great actor named uh, Anupam Kher that plays uh, Dr. Patel Oh my gosh! You were you were he was erupting in theaters based on his character. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yes, he was he was awesome. The, the therapy. I'm just oh, saying, oh, best I, actor. I, I, give it. Forget Daniel Day Lewis, everybody. This is all about this man. <laughs> Big fan hey, of. Who does Chris Tucker play in the film? He plays a friend of Bradley Cooper's who he met in the mental oh, institution. Okay. But what's funny about his character is that he arrives in the film, and every time he he seems to have escaped from the mental institution. You know? Oh, okay. So right. every time he arrives again on screen, you're not sure whether you're supposed to be like, oh, so he either he got a cab and headed over, or he escaped again. Like, like it's, what, it's what, just what this does kind of. Call him? Like De Niro calls him like the, the... oh um, um, jailhouse lawyer. The jailhouse lawyer, yeah. <laughs> And, and like it's like the one thing I forget to mention all the time every time I talk about this movie, it's very sports heavy. Like it, I mean, it's not like you don't need to know sports to watch this movie, but it's very much about like Robert De Niro is in love with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like everybody in this town yeah, is in love with the Eagles, right. and like it depends heavily on like watching the signs and giving the good juju out for the Eagles and everything. And <laughs> that plays a big part in the, in the movie. It's just something I just don't tend to mention. It seems, but 
I, I did like these aspects of it. It's just, it, yeah, it, no, it, had, sure. it, cre- it creates a nice universe for these characters to exist in. Even like, uh, what's his name? John Ortiz, like, uh, John Ortiz, like a good character actor. I like John Ortiz a lot. And then his, yeah, like, he's one of these guys. He's a chameleon. He looks different in every film. Yeah. It's just, it brings and a lot. He has a great little monologue about Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the relationship between him and, um, his wife too. Julia Stiles. Yeah. Julia Stiles. Yeah. That was cute. And, and part, of, and I gotta say too. I mean, it's again. I know I mentioned it on our last podcast. But one thing I, I think is really cool about characters like the Bradley Cooper character, or whatnot, is that he is able to get away with saying exactly what he thinks about people. Like he thinks some of the same things that you know a quote unquote normal person would think. The difference is that he actually says it, and people say, "Well, what are you doing? I told you not to say it like five minutes ago." Right, He's right, like, right. Oh, you can't tell me. He's like, "I'm gonna say it. What are you doing?" And I, I I think we all in some way kind of wish that we had that kind of levity in our own lives to just no filter people on stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I have to say, they keep mentioning Bradley Cooper's character in the movie. He keep they tell him that he's lost a lot of weight. Like it seems like there's something something significantly happened to his kind of physical appearance in this movie that we just we never get to see. For Bradley Cooper, I feel like he. In other movies, he's played kind of the a domineering male type character, like an alpha male type character, and it seemed I, I never felt unconvinced that he was playing the person he was playing in this movie, which I found to be surprising because. But it, it, I like Bradley Cooper, but it's not like he, he, he doesn't jump to me as like an actor that I need to go see in movies right away, despite the fact that I think he what he was he like sexiest man in the world or something one year, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah people, after, right? after people after magazine or something like that, something like that. But um, I mean, he's able to. If, Despite the fact that yes, he is a very handsome man, he's very attractive. He's able to strip that away and play this character and make it feel right. It makes it makes it he convincingly plays this person that has this disorder and doesn't just seem like he's an actor that we know for being a good-looking guy who who's trying to make his way in this kind of this realm of this realm of film. So, and I gotta say too, um, ironically enough, he goes into this little monologue with his parents, and you see this in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler where he um, outlines the, the entire plot of uh, A Farewell to Arms um, and goes into real heavy detail about the ending and everything. And it just so happens that the one book that I'm actually reading right now is A Farewell <laughs> to Arms. This movie was made for you, Adam. So spoilers for Hemingway. Is that what you're that's Spoilers what you're for Ernest Hemingway if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> all, right, all right, so let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this one up since we're trying to keep these concise and that has not happened at all. Uh, Mark, <laughs> you know our scale. Where would you where would you put this on our scale of when you should go and see Silver Linings Playbook? Uh, what's after IMAX? Theater. Theater. Uh, it's funny how I don't say the scale when you're like, what's on the scale? <laughs> I don't know. You can just edit that. Uh, I'll say theater. Okay. Adam? I'm fine with theater. Yeah, I say theater as well, and yeah, for sure. Abe what, Abe, Abe, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I'd say I'd say theater. It's it a strong movie, strong performances. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's a that's Silver Linings Playbook that's playing now. I think it expands wider in the coming weeks as well, and I hope that gets seen more by people. Um, okay, so Adam, we're going to talk about the life of Pinex. I know you have not seen this film yet, so uh, where I'm going to let you gracefully exit the podcast. Where can you? Where can more people find your work? Um. People can find more of my stuff at my blog, Things I Know About the Movies, located at everythingyoualwayswantedtoknow.blogspot.com and at twitter.com slash iltwinanarchist. All right, great. Thank you, Adam, for joining us to talk about Silverlining's Playbook. Thanks, Thanks for having Adam. me, guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Okay.
Bye. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Life of Pi. This is the new film from Ang Lee. I mean, I probably explained this already, so whatever. Or a trailer has probably played it by this point. So, yeah, let's just jump into it. Mark, what did you think of Life of Pi? Um, I also loved Life of Pi. Um, I think it uh, is a really fascinating uh, drama that will entertain adults but still delight children. Um, and I really, I just like the movie's sort of sense of wonder and the breathtaking visuals that they use to uh, tell the story about a, a, a teen that gets uh, shipwrecked. And uh, I don't know how much we want to say about the story, but uh, on the surface, it's just sort of this uh, story about a, a teen uh, from India set adrift on a boat with a tiger. And that's sort of the, the that's the main portion of the story. But I actually found that it was a lot deeper than that, and it kind of explores themes of faith and uh, perseverance. And he has this kind of interesting worldview where he's sort of uh, mixed up a bunch of different religions and kind of like taken a little bit from all three um, religions that normally wouldn't wouldn't really. Uh, Combined because they kind of are mutually exclusive, but still, it, it's he's an interesting character, and he goes on this journey, and I just liked what happened to the character a lot, and then it's all complemented by these gorgeous visuals. Um, it's stunning, really, uh, and it's it's also in 3D, which um, I actually did not see it in 3D, but by all accounts, everyone says go see it in 3D, so uh, I will support that. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the film a lot. Abraham Lincoln Mua, you've read the yeah all of that you you've read the you've read the book, correct? Yeah, I was, I was gonna. Yeah, I, I have read the book. Yes. And um, so, wh- how did you like the movie, and how do you think it stacked up compared to the book? Um, that's a great question because I was gonna start out the review by saying that um, I was gonna become a book snob and say that I enjoyed the book more. Uh, I think because <laughs> the uh, and I, I I don't like when people really do that either because I don't think it's fair to the book or the film as separate uh, entities. Um, but I felt as though there was more emotion in the book where you could, um, you could realize how long he's been thinking about uh, whatever thoughts about faith and whatever else. Um, I, I thought that the movie did a pretty good job. Visually speaking, yeah, the movie looks fantastic. I mean, I was reminded of, uh, you know, there's a lot of rich colors and there's a lot of very serene shots, which are very, delicate and beautiful to look at and they make you really ponder along with the uh, the character of the film but on the overall it was um i thought it was okay uh i don't know if i was uh, incredibly um caught up with the emotion of it because i, I kind of felt a little bit detached i think that when they they circle back from pi's teen life to some of the they intercut interweave some of the older pie and younger pie I feel, I feel as though it kind of takes away a little bit even though both are telling the same story to to expand more on it so overall i thought it was okay and i thought the 3d was was not as as a uh, crazy good as hugo I, I still like hugo way more than any 3d i've ever seen but i thought it was a uh, it was rather decent i mean i'll just start there then because i i'm not saying i wouldn't say it's better than hugo just because i think it if hugo the 3d it literally informs the movie. Like, it applies to the narrative of why they're using 3D, which I don't think... There aren't going to be many movies that do that. But with that said, the way I, the way Life of Pi utilizes it and how Ang Lee, who shot in 3D, how he makes it work in this movie, especially when you get to the other the scenes that are at sea, 
I think it's completely absorbing. I, I saw I saw this movie twice in 3D, and I think it just it's I was just caught up in the way he uses the camera and the way he yeah. pushes you into this like the whole shipwreck sequence or just scenes that take place on the water and how you're right there on the mo- just the way he uses perspective or even like that the uh, flying fish scene which literally changes the aspect ratio of the th- of the screen to absolutely to utilize yeah. the 3D to full effect. I was really taken in by what it did. And, I mean, with the with the the visuals itself, yeah, the movie looks fantastic, and I. But I will say, I I didn't see it in three D, and I still thought that the movie was gorgeous, and I I was totally there. There's a scene where he's on an island with the meerkats, mm-hmm, right? And and just seeing them move across the island, I don't know. I I really I just really loved it. Yeah, and the it, flying fish and the jellyfish and the whale and yeah. and there's a lot of CGI. But I, I actually, and I'm the type that d- does not like that sort of thing usually if it's if it's too much. But this, I feel like it it wasn't as obvious. Or I thought the animals were really well animated. I think they're well suited to the film and the story that's being told. I don't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a fantastical film, but there's certainly it rubs against the edge of fantasy to an extent, and just in an appropriate way. And how and how it brings these animals to life, I think, is very effective. I I like the. I mean. Yeah, there's certainly there's a lot of CG being used, but it feels appropriate to the film that I'm watching, and like the use of the tiger and how mm-hmm. how it how it plays with how or plays with how it interacts with Pi's character. I think it's it's just a very it's a very good effect. Like if you're gonna have a tiger that needs to share the screen with a boy for a majority of the film, it damn well better look good. And I think yeah, he's able to pull that off really well. I think that the, the, yeah. the people they use. For visual effect, I believe it's the same people that were responsible for the effects of uh, Chronicles of Narnia, among other, you know, among, among other visual effects heavy films. So those are, it's that it's that team of people that, and there's a lot of animals in those those films. Right. But and, and I think it it works really well here. And I mean, aside from that, I just really like this movie. I mean, I've, ta- I've presumably talked about this already with Mark Johnson, but I do really like this movie. I think it. I, I don't seem to have as much of a problem with the book ending elements as a lot of people seem to. I, I really enjoy Irfan Khan's narration in this film and just the way when it does cut back to him, along with uh, was it Siraj Shrash Shah, the uh, the actor that plays Pi, the actor, the uh, the, uh, the the young Pi, the young Pi, yeah, uh, the. Yes, it's it's you know you see him for the the movie. one on the boat. Yes, the one on the boat. You see him for a majority of the movie for sure. Right. There's a, he does a very good job for being you know literally a new actor, but right. um, Irfan Khan, the what you get you get like to see emotion on his face as he's telling the story, and I was really caught up with like what he was putting out there. Like it's just it's a it's yeah. a, it's a fine supporting performance I think. And what yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, and some he, people again, have a problem. I yeah, I, 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 a lot of people think the beginning's kind of clunky and the end is. Is kind the of like where he's describing his name. Just, I mean, just the, just kind of how no, it starts, see, just how it gets to. Yeah. It feels like I, I don't. I'm not. I don't, I'm not that sure because I really liked how it okay. how it set up. I like the beginning. I like I like the movie in general. It's just I, I wasn't super moved by it. See, I I think that that beginning part is really great because it kind of gets you really into this pie character. You you see how he's teased about his name and and right. he's a real intelligent kid. And, you know, I mean, there's this one part where his dad, okay, so he's, he's raised Hindu and then he's, he's exposed to Christianity and, uh, uh, Islam and his father is even like almost not religious. And he's like, oh, well, what about science and practicality? And he goes into this little thing and then he goes, I want to be baptized. Yeah. (laughs) It was really, 
he's really a cute kid. I mean, so you already love this guy right from the start. So they've laid the groundwork for someone you really want to follow. So when he does go through this journey, I was really like, I, I really liked his character more than I did, for example, the lead in Hugo, the little boy. I, I, I wasn't as I wasn't as taken with that child, and I was very taken with with the child, and then and then as he got to be a teen, and then also as an adult. I, I liked him throughout his entire journey quite a bit. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not to, that's not to say that I don't like uh, you know the character's storyline, uh, but I I did like that, and I especially liked when he's you know he he's a uh, wondering to himself what are the reasons why he's been shipwrecked you know and then the bountiful goods that he's received and what that all means i mean i found that to be very intriguing as well and i liked that aspect about it but just uh you know it it just wasn't one of those um goosebump hair raising moments um at, at any particular time i think the most of where it could have been was where he finds land um i guess on the coast um so I think that's that's the only thing, and I think that I'm just really meshing it with my feelings about the book. Um, I see. I have so many questions I want to ask you. But not, but so, not, I don't, so not even during scenes when like when there are other when there are other animals on the boat, and one by one they're not on the boat anymore. You weren't you weren't into that but, as much. No, because the way that it's described elsewhere, it it's more affecting. And and when I saw that, it just it's. It's a very, you know, it's a streamlined version of it, and so I, I just didn't... Well, it's a movie, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, which is why I can't fault it, and I'm not going to say, like, oh, yeah, it's terrible, it didn't live up to the book. I'm not saying that at all, I'm just saying that um, yeah, I think that a lot of, exposure a lot of to time, it... A lot of people uh, I've read in lots and lots of reviews that have said that this book is unfilmable. Now, so I haven't read the, the book, but... I think if it is unfilmable, then Ang Lee did a really good no, job. I, it, he did a great job, yeah. yeah. Because it's it's it's, it's, it's actually a fairly simple tale. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem unfilmable to me, or at least what I saw. But I'd be I'd, I mean, be, I'd be curious to know why people considered it unfilmable because I've heard the same thing, and I may, maybe because the animals involved and how you see, have to kind of twenty twenty years ago. Yes, I would say it's unfilmable because how do you how do you represent which is, that? Which is why this movie's been in development for a while right. for like a good right, ten right. years. But, it's been... but these days, but somehow I I got the feeling that the um, reason why people were saying it was unfilmable were, were more existentialist, draw, you know, uh, right. thoughts and things that I, were going I through. See that. I mean, that makes me wonder if people have seen film before, because there's there's a lot, there's a lot of films from way right. long times ago that deal with heavier themes and more. Right, like, right. I mean, the Coen Brothers have made a career out of doing this kind of thing. Exactly. I mean, so it, it doesn't seem. I, that I watched up. Martin Fink last night. If you play, if that was the book first, I would consider that to be unfilmable. <laughs> like, right, right. But um. And again, also, I mean, if Cloud Atlas is a movie, then the Life of Pi can be a movie. I mean, right. Like, right, right. It's and I, I know the structure of that book, and that seems way more unfilmable, quote unquote, than Life of Pi would seem. But whatever. <laughs> Anything else about Life of Pi? The film Castaway is kind of relatively about the same thing, um, and I felt more. I guess I felt his his plight more in in Castaway than I did in Life of Pi. But that's not to say Life Pi is not a good movie. I, uh, was uh, I, so the I, tiger was cool. the, like, I've, I, I've taken <laughs> cultural anthropology classes, which really people hate Castaway in that in that kind of profession. They they really don't like Castaway because they're in love with Robinson Crusoe and how that oh. and, and what to take what's there to take away from that as opposed to Castaway. I think they think Castaway gives the wrong message out, but 
That's no, it. I don't get well, how does it give the wrong message? There's, that, that's a whole different discussion. Honestly, uh, it's a it's a it's a funny rationale that people. I and and how do they feel about Robinson Crusoe? They love Robinson Crusoe in the way okay. it depicts uh. a man's isolation. But um, what I it's obviously a, that's a. a Robinson Crusoe is a reference for uh, Castaway, yeah. too. And yeah, they, yeah. I feel like Robert Zemeckis took away the wrong kind of me- messages from that to make Castaway. But regardless, <laughs> I, I don't, regardless um, what I've been describing Life of Pi is, is like Castaway meets Big Fish. That's kind of the... Yeah, that's actually... The, uh, yeah, because the way the story together, together, yeah. yeah, Yeah, because there's, you know, there's a hint of fantastical mix of the fact that you're you know on this yeah. stowaway. And, and, and I'm Another thing too about uh, Life of Pi, it really reminded me a lot of the Black Stallion and this relationship that the boy has with this horse, and and it's sort of that with the tiger. And I mean, the relationship wasn't very friendly. I mean, I guess the boy and the horse ultimately did become friends, and that does not happen in uh, Life of Pi. But the horse was wild and 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 crazy at, at first. It, they weren't didn't get along. And I, mm. I just and I also love the just the nature, the scenes of nature and stuff uh, between the boy and. And, and the island, and, and then the same thing in Life of Pi. There, I just saw a lot of similarities between it. I mean, I love The Black Stallion. It's one of my favorite films involving an animal. So any film that reminds me of that film is, is going to be, like, really good for me. All right, so let's get to our um, let's get to our rating then for Life of Pi and um, same scale. Uh, IMAX theater, dollar theater, HBO TV, just kind of forget about it. Uh, Mark Hubbard, where would you put um, Life of Pi on that scale? I'd give it IMAX. I really loved it. Hey. I'd give it theater because I think people will take away different things from it, but it's visually stunning. Yeah, I I, I would give it an IMAX too because I I really like the idea of people seeing this on a on a big screen in 3D and checking it out, and I'm very happy that it. I mean, I mean, this is a weird show, so I'm going to talk about the box office. Box office wise, this movie did very good, better than people were expecting to. It um it it, it came in like I guess. It, it's weird with the Thanksgiving schedule. It technically came in fifth place, but it made it made thirty million in its opening. Uh, oh, that's good. Opening yeah. five days, and that's double what days, that's yeah. that's that's double what Hugo made last year, and wow. which is a very comparable movie, I think, because of it is a PG movie that families can go and see, but it certainly has themes that are more adult conscious than you know child conscious. Even though it has like hey animals and animation and three D and stuff, it, I mean it's a movie that plays to families for sure. But I think it's a movie that will resonate with more of an older audience. That's and, weird because I never felt like that it was a kids movie to begin with. Like a fa- I didn't think it was a give me a family movie either because I thought that it would be the the serious tone of it and kind of like the the things that are the themes that are in it. Mm-hmm. I felt those was like more adult uh, themed, and so I I was kind of surprised when I walked into the theater and. There were a good number of children there with their families. Because it's rated PG. Yeah, and I guess the 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 idea of you know, I, an animated tiger is is you know appealing. Well, and I I sort of said this in the beginning of my review, but I think adults and children will appreciate it on different levels. Yeah, I mean, sure. kids might just take it at face value. Same with like the Muppets, for example. Right. There's <laughs> jokes that yeah they would never get, and there's sort of themes that are present in this film that children might not understand, but. Um, but they'll still appreciate the the rousing adventure story, and you know, I I actually appreciate it as as on that level as well. But then there's also this other sort of symbolic things that you can bring to it. And I mean, with that, 
as much as, you know, certain movies make money that you think like, oh, that's not good. Why is that making so much? Don't underestimate audiences and how much they want to see a good movie. Like that's, that's true. That is, yeah. a, that is a takeaway. And that does happen year after year. You see movies that like you'd expect not to necessarily do well if you're trying to market it. And they do run away with getting some getting money made. Like it's it happens. And I'm happy that Life of Pi is one of them. Before before we end this, there's two movies I want you to talk about because we have not talked about them on the show at all. The first one is Flight. You saw Flight. Oh, yeah. How you feeling, man? Look like you pulled some kind of move up there, man. You saved a lot of lives. Ah! We are in a dive. I have no control on my side. We're going to everybody in brace position. The way you landed that plane was nothing short of a miracle. Listen to me, trim us nose down. Plane fell apart at 30,000 feet. We're gonna roll it. What do you mean, roll it? Ready? Here we go. Come on, let's baby girl. There is all kinds of crazy news people out here. You're a rock star, man. You will never pay for another drink as long as you live. Captain Whitaker is a real American hero. This is Hugh Lyon. He's an attorney from Chicago. Why do we need a lawyer? You don't remember having your blood drawn that crash? You had alcohol in your system. That could be life in prison. What did, what did you think of Flight with Denzel Washington? See, I really loved Flight. Um, All right. I thought... What's that? That's my Denzel. All right, okay. <laughs> you know who does a great Denzel? Oh, no, that's actually Will Smith. Never mind. Okay, yeah, he does a decent Denzel, too. The, what's his? Farrow? Jay Farrow. Jay Farrow yeah. on SNL. On SNL, yeah. All right. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, oh, he does do Denzel, yeah. And it's good because do Denzel, you don't... Yeah. You don't think that Denzel is one of those actors that you could imitate, and then you realize, oh yeah, you can, and he's doing it. I do one second impressions. All right, okay, that's my Den. That's a, that's good. My <laughs> Brian, can, my, I can see your yeah, I can see that. My, my Brian Cranston and Breaking Bad, Jesse. That's my that's my Brian Cranston. But anyway, Mark, what is wow, that? Powerful. I I really I mean I thought that Flight was a really good drama about alcoholism and. You know, it's a problem that you might even think is kind of cliched or even passe in these modern times. But I thought that uh, the uh, John Gatness, who's the screenwriter, he um, he made the issue really compelling. And I really, uh, you know, it's one of these things where you keep wanting to scream at the uh, character, like, why are you doing that? Just stop. And I guess that's that's you know when you're an alcoholic it's just you really can't stop or you you you're just so it's such a crippling thing that you you just you're you're it's almost i mean it is an addiction i i guess I yeah mean, so it's, and i i thought the movie really did portray that and i also thought the movie was kind of had an interesting um take on things i mean there was almost a part where they almost say that like he needs to take drugs so that he's lucid for this this thing that he needs to do. They, so they say that they don't almost say it. They say they, that. They, they, they really <laughs> say it. So I think actions that, actually do happen too. So it was. I mean, like it was surprising. Like some of the stuff. It wasn't your typical. Like you know, oh, uh, this is bad. And I, I liked. Uh, Den- so Denzel Washington. I mean, you know, when he's. I thought he's at the top of his game. So if you need, yeah. I mean, more than that. I mean, he's a great actor. He's at the top of his game. I thought. He was really uh, magnetic, and then you know he has this relationship with another woman, and I thought that was kind of interesting. There was a lot going on, and I just I really. Do you think I mean, that that relationship was kind of superfluous to the storyline? I did. I mean, it's it's not, it doesn't really go anywhere per it's se. It's just it's oh, so you saw it too, Abe. I did see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the movie is layers, and there is that layer to his character that helps you sort of understand him through her. There's this 
relationship he has with John Goodman. Um, he also – he's being represented by uh, Don, uh, Don, Cheadle. Don Cheadle. And so you, you see like these different facets of his career, uh, character through these other people. And, and then plus it's got this really incredible plane crash in the beginning of the uh, – the film. I don't think the movie is supposed is not an action film. So I think if you're going in expecting a lot of action and wham bam kind of stuff, it, you might be disappointed in that respect. I'm just trying to anticipate you, Aaron. But if you if you take it as just an introspective drama, I think it's it's pretty effective. I really loved it. Now, okay, so I I had no problem with the fact that the movie takes its turn away from being about the actual plane crash necessarily and turns into an addiction story. But I feel like I've seen better addiction movies, a lot of them, that deal with the same issues, and this movie doesn't hit it the way it could, given the, the, caliber, the caliber of of actors and directors and people involved in making this movie. Uh, leaving Las Vegas is an easy example okay. of that, or even like like train spotting. But I mean, <laughs> I, it the way, I mean, for one thing, the way it sets up Denzel's character, who I do think is very good in this movie, but by the, when we're in this movie, he's already divorced, he already has nobody, and so there's not a lot of places for this movie to go. And so I already feel like it's it's overlong in how it presents him doing basically a repeat of the same thing over and over again. He finds somebody, he talks to them, they get angry at him for whatever reason, he goes back home, he starts drinking again. I feel like I've saw that scene multiple, multiple times in this movie. And what's what bugs me is that they're well acted scenes. And like there's they're what? they're putting they're putting in the effort and they're doing this, but I don't. I don't like the way the story structures all that, and I, and I really dislike the ending of this movie overall too. I don't. By the time you get to this ending, after you've seen Denzel go back and back, back and forth between, you know, I'm gonna drink again. I'm not, and, I, and yeah, I get the idea of yeah, I'm yelling at this character because I don't want him to keep drinking. That's horrible. God, addiction. God, it's angry. But you get to the ending, and you get to this like eleventh hour decision that needs to be made, and it just feels like everything's supposed to fall into place, and I'm supposed to accept that because of someone finally realizing something and i just i couldn't accept that so i just could that that pushed me over the edge of, to, of not liking the movie even though i oh was, really yeah i was into oh. a lot of it yeah, yeah aaron didn't like it no I, I didn't know that hey what did you think of the movie you know I, I thought that it was um i thought i was going in for something else and then i got or yeah i thought it was something i got something else and i was still hoping that it was something else i actually thought it was gonna be a, a courtroom legal drama not a substance abuse issue movie and um, I'm not going to say that I didn't like it, but it was just, it was something I didn't expect. And um, I think that acting performances were very strong, very good. I don't think that, I I think if you were given a choice of actors, Denzel would probably be the only one that could really make you feel this way. Um, I don't know. I don't, really, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't really think that anybody else might be able to be like, oh yeah, well, I've got this huge problem and I'm going to be a dick to everybody. But also really nice and smooth. It's because he's very charismatic. I'll give you. Yeah, I was like maybe George Clooney, <laughs> but George Clooney doesn't give off like a vibe of. No, I wouldn't say so. Like he's yeah. too smooth for that. But like he's even like Robert, Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks have a pretty good career together. We probably could have made it work. And stuff. That's true. Yeah, but I mean overall, I, I because it went to where I didn't expect it to go, and then it does uh, have like this weird. The ending is almost like a. Like, I'm not talking about a courtroom ending. I'm talking about, like, the actual ending how film. the movie film, yeah, the film ends. It kind of gives me, like, a He Got Game vibe. And it's not to say that Denzel is in both ends. That's why I'm reminded. But it's just because the ending of He Got Game is just so weird. Like, he just, Denzel throws a basketball, and then that's the end. Of, it's like, where did that come from? Or, like, why is he, you know, just shooting hoops in a, in a, 
uh, prison junkyard and just I don't understand that. And for this one, it was just kind of I can see where all the lies build up to a certain point, but I just uh, and that one was okay. But then later, when uh, there's you know a few ten minutes left, I just it's kind of like a say anything thing where. Even say anything didn't <laughs> like how you brought say anything back. <laughs> it's real, man. It's real. <laughs> yeah, overall, I, I thought it was a strong performance. I just I don't know if it was one of the one of the movies that is the best of the year. I guess it just really it. I, I don't know for whatever reason it just really grabbed a hold of my interest, and I was really interested in you know his relationship with this woman. Uh, are they going to be able to uh, represent how how are they going to represent him i thought it was sort of an interesting take i mean it even kind of sort of suggests that even the drinking helps him land the plane like i don't know it i don't know if that i don't i'm not sure if they were saying that or not i'm sure they weren't because that would be kind of but it it was like he was sort of this badass i mean he was like you're the only one that could land the plane and he was constantly drinking he's a a functioning alcoholic yeah he's a functioning alcoholic even the people on the plane it it there seemed to be aware that he's a drunk and the guy there's even there's this really good uh discussion where he's at a um i think he's at a, a funeral and he's talking to one of the flight attendants and he's like well you're gonna you're gonna back me up and she and i just love this actress she's, i don't even know who she is but I yeah i don't know her name either but she, she was, was really it's, like uh, Tam- I, tamara tooney and she's actually she was in death proof i believe actually. okay thank you and i thought that she i just like the her her read on the character and how he's like you're gonna back me up and she's like uh i was there that day i talked to the other flight attendant and i just i don't know i, I just liked the way that every every scene in that film right. i liked yeah, so I mean, just, the again, the performances are fantastic. And again, even the co-pilot, when he talks to the co-pilot, I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. you're not even sure where the co-pilot's a, going with there it. Was and a part all of a sudden, the co-pilot's like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, nobody could have done it but you. I, see, I have there, issues of how the tone played with, like, the co-pilot. And John Goodman's character, who comes in late again I, in I the film. I agree with John Goodman's character, because, I mean, there's just he's very really awkward good. scenes where he just pops up, and it's just, right. it kind of takes away from the tone of what they're trying to establish. And, um, I mean, they're the most comical scenes, but at the same time, it comes at... Times when I don't think there's going to be some comedy. Exactly, exactly. I agree with that. Which is like, look, there's a very serious issue that's going to come up right now. If you don't, like, shape up, we are screwed. And it's like blazing, like, Aerosmith or whatever, Rolling Stones. It's playing, it's playing, the movie, the movie's soundtrack is of every song you've ever heard that involves addiction. That's the soundtrack of this movie. Yeah, and it's all of a sudden, like, ha ha, this is the way we're going to do it. It's like, I don't know if this is the best way but at the same time again that's why it's like it's great performances but it's not the story that i was expecting if it was all about like dude you're drunk and and we were trying to land this plane and you know what here's all the legal stuff and don Cheadle had a larger role to play i would be like wow this is a compelling like story about addiction and about um legal courtroom dramas which i can really get into but it, it wasn't that um as much and by the way don Cheadle killed the tox report just to yeah, yeah, he did. You know what? I had three. <laughs> I didn't. I know you. You said that he keeps saying it. I mean, I don't even. I didn't notice that. I just, <laughs> he said it like every other. He says it like every time. He's but, there. It, but it didn't bother me. It didn't. Yeah, I know. Like, it's almost like the lens flares. It, you know, that's exactly. What it I was just saying. didn't bother me. I mean, 
<laughs> he killed. He, 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 he killed the time. But I, I have a question. So uh, there is some talk about there a possibility of Denzel Washington being nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Would that Would that shock you? No, it wouldn't. And it wouldn't. No. It, it, it would it bother you? No, it wouldn't bother me. I think he's. Okay. I think he's good in this movie. And again, I wanted to. I don't think I said this the first time. I wanted to like this movie. No, I want. Sure, I went yeah. in. I went in really excited to see this movie. It's a new Denzel yeah. Washington movie with Robert Zemeckis back behind the camera of a live stream movie, and it has this amazing plane crash sequence in it, and then it gets to. Actually, your review for this film, I mean, surprised me probably more than anything I've seen this year. All right. Okay. So um, let's <laughs> let's let's move on to it because that's been out for a while. So yeah. if people have seen Flight, good for you or whatever. It's making money, actually. It's, it's another one that's like, you know, an, adult, an, an, an adult drama that's making money. It's, but I, I actually was for um... – Just say Denzel sells. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last movie, Mark, before we, we, we cut you off, <laughs> before we let you go. There's a little movie called Twilight Breaking Dawn. You're going to make two. me talk about this? I'm not going to make <laughs> you talk about this. I'm asking you if you'd like to share your thoughts on Twilight before we end this part of the discussion. I mean, it, talking about this is kind of ridiculous because, you, you know, who cares what I think? Well, I mean, let's, this, let's, let's, this, let's, let's break it down. So you've seen you, – you wanted to see I've this seen movie them all. because you, because you, wanted, to entire, com- you wanted to complete I've, the Twilight saga. Right. So I mean, I actually I do have a, a valid, uh, you know, reason to talk because I have seen them all. But I mean, this this movie is for for the fans. It's not for people who are looking for uh, drama or storytelling or acting. They they just want to see their characters that they know and love and and see the the film ser- or the the story come to a close. And and it does come to a close. And you know, there's a there's a climactic battle, and and uh, that's sort of, I mean, that's interesting, I suppose, but it's it's kind of silly. Would you? And would, there's a lot of posing. Would you say Michael Sheen's good in the movie? Yeah, yeah. That, Michael Sheen was good. Um, there's, yeah, he's. I mean, he's like one of the. He was in Tron also, and I really liked him in that. And sort of the same things that I liked him in Tron. No, but he he adds. I, I agree adds, with you, Mark. I liked him in Tron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Thank Tron you. Legacy more than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I love Tron Legacy. I like Tron Legacy. I, I just thought that his character was like I, just very well, ephemeral. It's, it's so weird because of the rules of that universe. It's hard to understand how certain people can act when you're you know a computer program. But let's move past Tron Legacy for a yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I will say uh, Michael Sheen does give a performance, and he's the leader of this. Uh, Volt- yeah. <laughs> these like group of uh, vampires that kind of enforce the rules and um, he he speaks with like a self-importance and there's like one part where he lets out this like delighted high-pitched squeal that like has more <laughs> personality than everything that was said in the entire production oh, so sorry. like I, I kind of perked up at that moment and then then I kind of like oh then I fell back to like the state of lethargic passivity that i had because most of this film it's they're posing and it's it's made up of you know models that preen for the camera and you know they're like mannequins i mean they they're they look good you know but there's really not a whole lot of stuff there well okay so i i have not yet seen the twilight saga breaking down part two or T- but, you know, or if, or tts bp two if, but I Thanks. But, yeah, but I did. What I, I did tweet. Red Dawn would have been better if it had a giggling Michael Sheen in it. So, yeah. If if you if you saw Breaking Dawn Part One and you enjoyed it, then you will enjoy this too. So it, it's a it's a logical continuation of that film, and it uh, it you know 
it it does end. Does the so, does the chemistry between K Stu and Rob Pat sizzle? You know, I will say that K Stu is a little bit more animated in this film because well, she's, um, she's a vampire, vampire now, right? Yeah. Spoilers. Exactly. I wasn't sure like <laughs> that's spoilers. <laughs> she has a little bit more fire to her, so she I, had red eyes. She had like well, vampire eyes, whatever you call. Oh. No, she's. I know she puts on contacts though because she sees her dad and she puts on contacts to oh, kind of no. hide. Oh, oh what spoilers? All right, well, because I'm, I'm going into this, I'm like, I want to know what happens with Charlie. That's his dad, right? Charlie, I think that's that's a dad. You know a lot about this film series. Well, he's the he's the character I like in that in those movies because he, he has a he's a cop of a mustache. And he's he's really nice to his daughter. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like every once in a while, there'll be like a person that's like over thirty in the film, and they like stick out like a sore thumb and <laughs> like Lee Pace. Like, there's one part like too Link, where Lincoln's they... Lee Pace is in that movie, I believe. And he, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But he's... are you talking about the audience members, Mark? What's that? Are you talking about audience numbers? Like some guy who's in his mid thirties? No, he means in the, he no, 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 means no. in the film. In the film. Okay, all right. I'm I was like, about, I'm yeah, that is kind of creepy. I'm ta- no, no, I'm talking about Bella's father. He kind of oh, sticks okay. out as older, and uh, and Michael Sheen. There, I mean, they put so much makeup on him. You kind of it kind of hides like how much older he is. But there's one part, you know, that the the camera's right in his face, and you can see like the uh, high definition, the white pancake <laughs> makeup. I mean, they, they're all pale, but. I, they, they're obviously using more makeup on Michael Sheen than they had to use on, uh, you know, Kristen Stewart. Well, I'd like to think his character puts makeup on himself. Right. Yeah. You gotta stay away from the sun. He's really good, actually. I, I did. Uh, if I if I can say one nice thing about the film, I, I I did enjoy his performance. Well, did you find the action compelling in the final battle? No, I didn't. Okay. It's just it's just it's just mayhem. It's just a bunch of decapitations and mayhem, and I I just and there's also I I well yeah there's. You'll just just watch. Well, it can you can can you? How about this? Because these movies have been very consistent box office wise. Obviously, could you? Do you find it respectable that they did not choose to convert these movies to three D? Yeah, they could. I mean, because that's free money. I'm surprised they I, didn't. I, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think there's something to be said for the fact that they decided to because they they had they certainly had the option to. And, well, and, they, and why they, why they why don't, don't they? they why didn't they shoot them in 3D? I think because they had a legitimate respect for the film that they were making, regardless of how good you may think it is. I think they actually cared about not doing that to just for the sake of getting that extra money, which seems like a blasphemous statement to say. But I think they they cared enough about not going that route. And maybe maybe the audience members will go see it more since it's not as expensive. That 3D would. I mean, the, I think the hype is so built up that it's it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> it would be seen nonetheless, and it would be, if anything, making it obscene amount of money more than it already has. But yeah, and and actually, uh, uh, the word is audiences love it. It's I mean, it's a it's a huge hit, and that's what I've been hearing you know, as well. Like, it is higher rated than other Twilight movies, and it does have a higher cinema score than other Twilight movies. Right, right. And I and I I actually I take cinema score. Seriously, I think that a lot of times that is sort of what the masses are thinking about a film. So, you know, it what it got an A, I think, didn't it? Oh uh, yeah, yes it did. It got an A, just like Lincoln got an A as well. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to think people go and see both of those on the same day just because they're really having a good time at the theater. And and there is a baby there there is a baby in the film yeah, and baby, and uh, rigatoni mushrooms or whatever it, her name is. It's, oh, a it's a completely fabricated Entity. It's not. Do you even know why they did that? Is it because the baby actually does stuff that needs they need? Right, they right. Need. Oh, there's a part. There's a part where she's holding the baby, and the baby is making expressions like 
like an adult. I mean, it, it's like they're talking and it's making little, it's furrowing its brow and it's looking around. And I mean, I was laughing. It's, it's, it's really ridiculous. It sounds like, I don't even want to keep going with this. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, might, yeah, go ahead. Okay. You might enjoy it. Well, I'm going to, I, I, the, the women I work with, they're, they're going to go see it. So I'm going to be with them when I, when that happens. Probably. Oh, so you're, you're Aaron? Sure. See, I, all right, let's uh, let's let's move on from this. And uh, okay, so Mark, you've shared your opinions on Twilight with us, so I thank you for that because I know it's a hard thing to do. Um, you I don't, made me relive it. I, yeah, I don't I don't need you to give a rating on this if you don't have to. No, I, I won't. I, I do. do. But um, yeah, so that's going to do it for this kind of segment, this extended segment of the uh, of this week's episode. So, Mark, where can people find more of your work? So you can find more of my work on my personal blog at fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. All right, great. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Mark, for joining us this week. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. And, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you back soon enough. So talk to you later, I guess. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Mark. And that ends part one. Please flip your tape over to side B.